I've, I've, I'm going to be very honest, and I'm going to stand here and say, we got to give them an awesome. You know, I've, I've got to admit something. Um, I am very hard at times on Bradley. I do so because I want him to get better, not because I know everything, because I don't know nothing about this stuff, you know. And uh, I'm very hard on, at times on him. And, uh, but uh, I also give him credit when credit is due. And credit is due. And the, the, the young man has stepped into a role. This young man has stepped into a role and has done a fabulous job with leading. But listen, he's not a one-man show. Every single person that is up here is a minister of God's word. And I am so very thankful for each one of them to be a part of this team. And, you know, I, I stood there and I was listening. And they've come a long way since, well, since. <laughs> and uh, I was just blown away of how they're really tying things together. So I, I want to thank all of our musicians and singers and everyone who has anything to do with this church. You guys make this possible. And I'm so thankful for it. So thank you. Um, wow. Uh, last week, we started a brand new sermon series called The Stand. And uh, I, I hope that you enjoyed that first message. I hope that it brought some challenge to you. Um, we are looking in the book of Daniel throughout this entire message. So if you want to get ahead of me, uh, allow the book of Daniel to be a part of your you know, daily reading, your devotional time. Uh, but, but I promise you, you will, you will get from this whatever you allow God to do in your life. Understand that. I can only give you what God allows me to communicate to you. The rest is completely up to you, whether or not you're going to receive it. But last week we talked about standing out. Um, today what we're going to look into is we're going to walk into how do we stand up for what is right? Think about that for a second. How do you and I stand up for what is right? I'm going to get into a couple things this morning that uh, hopefully will, will, some might strike a chord with you, all right? Some might Things that we're going to get into might be like one of those light bulb moments where you're like, wow, okay, I get it. It's revealing to me now. But how do we stand up for what is right? The reality is this. I don't care who you are. I mean, I do care who you are, but you'll understand what I'm getting at. I don't care who you are, but at some point, someone that you love is going to make an unwise decision and every now and then, God is going to prompt you to stand up for what is right and help guide them back onto the right path. Now, think about this for a second. There are some of you who are overly confrontational. Don't look at the person beside you. All right? Don't tap anyone on the shoulder. Don't send a Facebook message right now. All right? But some of you are overly confrontational. Watch this. I can sometimes fall into that. Because when you believe something to be so, so you sell out to it. Think about that. You sell out to what you feel is the truth. And so sometimes we will defend that regardless. We will go hard at it. We will defend what we feel is the truth. And sometimes it allows us to become over-confrontational, which means we put ourselves into a situation where anger kind of creeps its ugly way in. Uh, the, the voice goes from, a, you know, Normal conversation to an escalated tone. And we usually, listen, listen, listen to me. We usually get to the place 
where we become so overly confrontational that we think back or look back in it within five minutes after whatever exploded and go, really should have kept my mouth shut. Really should have. There must have been a better way to communicate this. Right? Anybody like that? Come on now. All right. Now, there are those who are passive. Right? Um, Passive. Meaning you're not as confrontational. Show me a hand. Who in here is passive? You have an attitude of passive. <laughs> Some of you are liars. I see it right on your face, right? Right? Passive, right? Now, watch this. Here's where it gets interesting. Some of you are so overly passive that you didn't even raise your hand because you were afraid it would cause confrontation. Some of us are very confrontational. We have no problem at all to raising our hands when, we, when, when, when I ask you that question. You might raise both of them at times. But let's, let's look at a couple things here this morning. To be real honest, if we're taking notes, here's one reason this message is going to be challenging for us today. It should be challenging for every one of us because it's really looking at our attitude. It's really looking how we communicate different things. Understand something. I, um, I, I, I'm very big on the Word of God. I should be, right? I'm a pastor. I should be big on the word of God. I'm not, I do not get caught up, and, and please don't take this the wrong way, but I do not get caught up in sensationalism. What I mean by that is I enjoy emotion. I think emotion is appropriate within the church. But I believe the word of God is even more so appropriate within the church. I believe there must be moments where the word of God speaks to us. And it allows us to bring what? Life application. This message this morning is one of those life application messages. It's one of those messages you're not going to walk out of here and be like, Woo, I had goosebumps. The pastor was on it. It's going to be one of those messages where it's like, oh, okay, there's some things that maybe I need to look at. There's some ways that maybe I need to develop differently. All right? Now, let's be honest. There's two confrontational extremes. Number one is this. Some are more unwilling to confront. Some people are more unwilling to confront. All right? Uh, meaning this, we tend to rationalize it like this. Um, and, 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 you know, I've, I've talked to people in the last several, several uh, weeks or, or even the last month, and they're not, some people that I've talked to, they've clearly communicated to me that they're not confrontational. My wife, who's not in here, God bless her heart, is one who is unconfrontational. So you know how the arguments go in my house. It's me speaking and her just, you're going to regret every word you say in about five minutes. Five, four, three, you know. She's got the countdown down, right? But do you know sometimes we can take that to the extreme to where we won't confront when we know something is, is wrong. Think about that. We, we'll, we'll say things such as, well, who am I to judge? And so we'll leave it alone. We'll say things as, as if, well, you know what, I, I, I'm going to mind my own business. And they're just going to have to deal with whatever they're going to have to deal with. Um, they've put themselves in this own predicament. So good luck, right? So sometimes we get caught up into being that, that we are unwilling to confront. Now, we've been taught that, and, and I'm trying to say this correctly, so, so bear with me here. But we've been taught that it's good to be unconfrontational. But there's a flip side to being unconfrontational to where the truth or what is right doesn't get communicated. And so what happens is 
things just continue to repeat and repeat. It's like a repeat cycle, you know? And things don't change. Now, some people don't like change, but change is good. Change helps us to grow. Change helps us to become better than what we once were. But sometimes we need people to speak into our lives and to be just a little bit confrontational. There, now, there's another extreme to this. And that is to become uh, some confront unlovingly. Confronting unlovingly. It's kind of like this. Um, it's a drive-by situation. You know, have you ever seen, have, have you ever uh, been approached by someone who really didn't know anything that was going on, had no clue about it, but they were so emotionally driven that they just throw out words and give you their input when their input really does not make sense and it's really not needed, right? I, probably at one time or another, we've all been in that place. We've probably all been just that person. Or we'll jump to social media and we'll throw things out, words out that can be hurtful toward people or toward organizations and then look back on it later and regret what we have done. But how many know when you speak it, when you send it out, it's impossible to bring it back. And so we must be extremely careful in this area of life. We have to... I believe God challenges us daily. He almost gives us tests. Or are we going to stand up for what is right? Or are we going to be so passive that we're going to allow the things that the enemy or society tries to bring onto us as a church and as individuals to corrupt us and to change what God is trying to do? Um, we are going to look through this and, 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 and this morning... In a different couple ways. Um, we feel like sometimes that we have a God-given right when we come to areas of confrontation. Sometimes we feel like we have the God-given right to make sure that we communicate. And what I have learned as being a pastor, I've only been a pastor since October. But I've been dealing with people for quite a long time. But I've learned more since October than I think I did in the last 15 years of ministry. All right? I could even narrow that down even to a shorter time period, but we don't need to do that right now. But I've learned more in such a short period of time that it's very important of how we communicate to people. I mean, we get worked up. Think about this. If you're a parent and you have a child that's making bad decisions and you know what the right thing is to do, we must do it in a gentle and a humbly, humbling manner. I remember growing up as, as a kid and, and as a teenager, and even to this day, if my mom and dad wanted to, like, my mom and dad visited this past week, and I love them. I do. And I'm so appreciative of them. I'm so appreciative of everything they poured into me. But if they're going to throw an advice out at, to, at me, and it's not in a manner that is, like, loving and compassionate, guess what I'm going to do? Right on out, out the, I mean, we've all been there, right? We've all had people approach us with different matters, and it's the way, it may not, you know, what they're approaching might be actually true. They might be speaking truth into your life, but you know what we do at times? It's how they communicate it, and if they communicate it poorly, we listen to absolutely nothing they have to say. It's important. It's important that we go after and, and, and learn how to do this. We're going to look in Daniel chapter 4 this morning, and before we get right into the scriptures, we're going to look at a couple things. And I introduced to you King Nebuchadnezzar last week. 
And we talked about him uh, for a a great deal, and we're going to continue to talk about him through this sermon series. But we learned of uh, how, how ridiculous he was. We learned of how cruel and intentional that he was. Uh, we learned of, of the, the wrong that he did. And we, we learned all of this stuff about him. We learned, you know, that, that, you know, he was a guy that was definitely against God's people. He was a guy that wanted, did not want to see God's people prosper. And so we understand that what? He waited, he watched, and he attacked, if you recall. He waited watching, and then he attacked. The enemy is always looking for an opportune moment and an opportune opportunity or an opportune time to come at us. Typically, he comes at us when we're at our weakest moments. If you recall, we talked briefly about Jesus. We talked about, we saw where the Holy Spirit came upon him when he was baptized in the Jordan. And then that same spirit that came upon him and gave him the power to fulfill what God had intended for him to do, is the same spirit that also led him into what? The wilderness. Sometimes we need to understand as Christ followers, we are led into times of testing or times of challenge, not to pull us down, but so that God can build us up even stronger and to be more potent within our relationship with him. We saw where during that time that Satan watched, Or excuse me, he waited. He waited for Christ to go into the wilderness. He watched Christ while he was what? In the wilderness. And Satan didn't attack Jesus the moment that he got into the wilderness. He didn't attack him there. He didn't attack him a couple days in. He didn't attack him, uh, you know, halfway. He didn't attack him three quarters. He waited for the opportune time to attack him. And so we we see through Scripture that right at the end of those 40 days, that end of that 40-day fast, we understand that what happened? Satan attacked him. He found him to be at his most opportune time. When Christ would be, in his mind, at the weakest point. And then he attacked. But we also saw something very important. Three times, Jesus, all he had to do was quote Scripture right back. He stayed faithful within his spiritual disciplines, which allowed him to grow and to become stronger so that when the attack of the enemy came upon him, what did he do? He didn't waver in his faith. He stayed strong in his commitment. And instead of the enemy winning, Jesus defeated him in that moment. So we see King Nebuchadnezzar. We understand he's a bad guy. All right. Um, Just to throw this out here, I remember growing up, uh, Operation Desert Storm. You guys remember Remember that, right? I remember sitting in, 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 uh, in our home in Baltimore, and all of a sudden you see all these planes attack, and you see these, like, fiery darts, you want to call them, you know, missiles, and, and blowing up, you know, Baghdad and, and all these things. But this came to my mind speaking about King Nebuchadnezzar because I recall very vividly that there was, uh, they were speaking of, or speaking of Saddam Hussein as being in the likeness of King Nebuchadnezzar back then. All right. I recall actually they actually did like a side profile. They got this really has nothing to do with the Bible. I'm just kind of telling you something that came to my mind while I was going over stuff. And they did a side profile and, and they were able to what they thought what is what he looked like anyway. And they were able to show similarities. But in all actuality, uh, Saddam Hussein actually said that his hero was King Nebuchadnezzar. 
Uh, so that's, that's pretty crazy. It has nothing to do with the message, though. So you can just let that go in and out. I don't care. But what we actually saw is that King Nebuchadnezzar was interesting because he, he kind of falls in the same light of us sometimes. And what I mean by that is he actually saw God work. He actually saw God move. Um, he actually gave God enough attention that there was moments where he even actually leaned in toward God. But it's like when we do sometimes. We will go through life and we will have those God moments. We will have those godly uh, revelations, so to speak, come upon us. And God communicates to us maybe in a setting like this or in our devotional time or just with a conversation with someone. And we'll have those moments where God speaks. And, and it's great. And King Nebuchadnezzar actually went through some of those seasons. But what the problem with him was is he allowed himself so much or he allowed his intentions or his plans to get in the way of what God wanted to do and so he continually would revert back so many times to to his evil ways but in the scripture that we're about to get into in in Daniel 4 we we see that uh, there was a dream that God had given King Nebuchadnezzar and it, it kind of freaked him out that he couldn't sleep and he recalled in his dream of, of different things that were going on. So what he did was he called his uh, magicians, he called his dream interpreters to come to him. And he says, you know what, um, can you interpret the dream that I had? Now, as I was going through this and, and, and studying it, the thought came to my mind after I read the dream, it's really easy to interpret. Not knowing what the original interpretation is, if you were to read it, it would be pretty, in my opinion, it would be pretty simple to interpret. In fact, I believe that King Nebuchadnezzar already knew the interpretation of the dream even before the interpretation came to him. It's kind of like this in our life. Think about this for a second. We don't always like... We, have you ever been able to project bad news is about to come? Okay, I'm glad that I have. All right? Have you ever been able to, you sense it. You know what's coming your way. You got that feeling all over you like, oh man, this is really going to stink. Right? I think we've all been there. I think in this moment, this is what King Nebuchadnezzar was going through. He had this dream, and I believe he already knew what the interpretation of it was. But he was hoping that someone would give him an interpretation that was different than what his interpretation might have been so he's calling out his magicians and in dream interpreters he, he's calling me he's like hey guys look here's what i need you to do i need you to come uh, i'm going to tell you the dream and i need you to tell me what it is now in my mind again scripture doesn't say this this is my mind and we're going to get right into the scripture in just a moment i know some of you are like where's the scripture pastor it's coming it's coming i promise in my mind, I believe that the interpreters and the magicians are coming to him and they're probably going, oh, I wonder what the king wants now. And so they go to him and all of a sudden, he says, I got a dream and I need you to interpret it. They're probably sent back, no problem. We got this. We can do this. He starts telling them. And as he's telling them of this dream, red flags are popping off. You understand something. King Nebuchadnezzar was, he was known if someone did wrong to him, spoke wrongly to him, or, or gave him bad news, guess what would happen to them? 
they would be killed. Dead. So, here comes these interpreters. Here comes these magicians coming in, and he's giving this dream, and they're probably going, oh, no. Oh, they're looking at one another like, uh -huh, you got this one, you know? And in their mind, they're going, there's no way I'm going to tell. I can't help but think that they didn't even know what the interpretation was. Because it's so simple. They were fearful of their lives, and so most likely they didn't want to give it up. You know what's interesting to me? As I was reading through these scriptures, that Daniel was one of his dream interpreters. But he didn't call Daniel. He called the others first. Because he was hoping to hear what he wanted to hear before the truth was going to be revealed. Oftentimes, we will do this. Tommy, my man, you're smiling at me, so I know you're liking my message. All right? Stand up. Oftentimes, what we will do, isn't he great? He's a great young man, isn't he? He's young still. Oftentimes what we will do is instead of going to God or we're, instead of going into the scriptures, we will go to someone else hoping to get an answer. But watch this. We know the answer already half the time. Three quarters of the time, if not all of the time. We already know the answers of what we need to do. We're hoping though, that someone else can what? Pacify us for a moment. Or for a season. And so what I'll do is I'll come to Tommy and I'll tell Tommy my problems. And I'll tell Tommy my issues. And then I'll say, Tommy, tell me what to do. And then Tommy will give me some ideas and thoughts that might be opposite of what I feel that God's leading me to do. Or what I believe that God's word's going to tell me to do. And that will do what? It will pacify me for a season. The problem with that is I don't want to be in a seasonal relationship with God. I don't want a word that comes from God only to be when I'm ready for it. I want the word of God to come to me when I'm ready, in season, and what? Out of season. I want God to speak truth into my life, not just when I want to hear it, but when I must hear it, and when I don't want to hear it. You can sit down. You did good. That's all you had to do, man. That wasn't that hard, was it? So I believe wholeheartedly in this moment that King Nebuchadnezzar was calling out to these other individuals because he knew what the interpretation was, but he was hoping to hear something different. So here's my dream. This is what he tells him. Theoretically. I dream about this giant tree reaching up toward heaven. The branches and the leaves... Gave so much shade that it was a blessing to all these people and animals lived in the tree. The, the fruit provided for many people. And suddenly a holy one from heaven shouted, cut down the tree and only leave the stump. So that everyone would know that God is the most high. That to me is interesting. That God is the most high. That God is the ruler of all nations. You see, when... He wasn't able to get the answer that he wanted. And the others weren't able to provide the answer that he was looking for. He finally gave in and he calls to Daniel. Now, my opinion here for Daniel 
is, I don't want to give this interpretation. If I was Daniel in the moment and knowing the reputation of this great king, my thought would be, I don't want to give, probably for the same reasons that the other ones didn't want to give. Probably for the same reason that King Nebuchadnezzar himself probably already knew what the interpretation was, but didn't want to give it. Didn't want to admit to it or take ownership of it. We see in Daniel 4 and 22, he says, King, O oh King, I wish this applied to your enemies first. First, he says, I wish it applied to your enemies. Now watch this. Remember, we talked about um, a few minutes ago of how we communicate to people something that is confrontational. How we communicate to people something that is confrontational. Um, so really, Daniel's setting this up right before we get into the scripture. I know some of you looked and it wasn't exactly there. What Daniel is setting up, he's setting up that I'm about to communicate some really bad news to you. In other words, he's showing he actually genuinely cares for the king. In other words, he's saying, I wish this were, were not true. But let's go into verse 22. He says, your majesty, you are the tree. He says, you've become great and strong, and your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky. And your dominion extends the distance of the earth. Now we're going to skip over to verse 25. This is where the interpretation. Here's what it means. It says you'll be driven away from people. In other words, you're going to live with wild animals. You will eat the grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of the what? The heavens. I found that to be very interesting right there of the dew. Because um, I'm, I'm not you know, scientific or, or anything like that. But isn't there a drew line, like a dew line or something like that? Right? Where things above it stay dry, but things below it are just completely drenched. And, you, you know, and I think to myself, wow, this guy is going to be the lowly of the lowliest in this moment. No wonder no one wanted to give him the interpretation. This is a man who has said high. He's got prestige. He's got power. And all of a sudden, Daniel has this responsibility to give him some really, really bad news. You'll be driven away from the people, live with the wild animals. You will eat uh, grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Verse 25, seven times will pass. What does that mean? That means actually seven years. Seven years will go by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Verse 26, the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots this is actually good news for the king. It means that your kingdom will be restored when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Daniel interpreted the dream before the king and he has the courage to do something that literally was risking his life. He stood up to the king because he was not proud of himself. He stood up to the king because he wasn't arrogant or because he knew what the truth was. He actually stood up to the king because he was worried. He was concerned. We go on in verse 27, and this is where something changes. He says, King Nebuchadnezzar, accept my advice. In other words, he's saying, I care for you. In other words, he's saying, I want what's best for you. But he goes on to say, he says this, he says, stop. That's a brave word right there to tell the king. He says, stop. Stop sinning. 
and do what is right. Out of every scripture that I say this morning, that should be the most highlighted, most underlined scripture for you this morning. Stop. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then, what? You'll be able to prosper. You will continue to prosper. In other words, he's saying to the king, let's do right. I want what God wants for you. Now, you know, there's going to be a time when God is going to call you to stand up at times. It's going to be a time where God calls you to stand up when you see maybe a family member making a wrong decision. And God's going to want you to help them to get back onto the right path. There's times when God will call others to stand up to you because maybe you're blind to what God is trying to direct you in. It's important for us to be prayerful. It's important for us to communicate to God and saying, God, help me to communicate what I'm supposed to communicate to others. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. I love this scripture here because it says this. It says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you, are, you who are godly should watch this. Gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Gently and humbly help that person. And then it goes on to say, back to the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation, what? Yourself. When we confront, we must be prayerfully about it. We must understand that we ourselves are not perfect. But when God calls us to confront something with someone, when we know what the scripture is and what is right, we must do it in a way that we are gentle and humble. Gently and humbly. There's a couple prayers that we could take a look at. Number one is this. A prayer that we could do. God, help us to confront with the goal of what? Restoration. We often confront to tear down. Think about that. If you recall, uh, I think it was like two messages ago, we were talking about forgiveness. And we are naturally built that we want to seek revenge when someone does something wrong to us. Your first response is, I hope they get what they're going to get. They deserve every bit of it. And so what we will do is we will confront in such a manner that where we're not restoring, but where we're doing the exact opposite. We're actually tearing down. We need to confront with the goal of restoration. So our prayer needs to be, God, help me so that I can confront people in a manner that can restore either their relationship with you, maybe restore their marriage, maybe restore a friendship, whatever it is, God. Help me, Lord, that when I confront other people, because listen, you confront. You confront whether you're verbal with it. You confront whether you do it physically. And watch this. Even if you're so passive to where you say you're not confrontational, your choice of not confronting, you're confronting by ignorance, by ignoring. It's not about, what, it's not about you. 
but it's about God and the person who is needing the help. Verse 1 says, gently and humbly help that person on the right path. Approach matters. The second prayer that we can look at for our lives would be this. God, help me to confront with what? Caution. Help me to confront with caution. In other words, he says, gently and humbly help them on the right path. You who are godly, you should do this. But watch this. But be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. When we confront, we do so at times with a matter of pride. Think for a moment. Think about that. We do so with a matter of pride because here's what we do. We start comparing our lives to their lives and we're not falling into that trap or temptation. So we put ourselves on a pedestal and now we feel like we can communicate to them in such a manner that makes us look arrogant and prideful. The scripture in Galatians clearly says when we confront, we must do so with humbleness. We must do so gently. We should do it in meekness. We should do, understand that I may be confronting you over something, but I could fall into the same trap just as easily. I want to explain something to you. I'm a pastor, and I stand up here every Sunday, and it's my job to confront. <laughs> it's my job to, to confront issues that maybe you're dealing with, to confront things that you're going through. If I were to come up here and belittle you for the life that you're living, there would be no point for us to gather together. Because you would receive absolutely nothing of it. I promise you this. Every time I do a message, the message is also speaking to me just as well as it's speaking to you. There are times where I've come up here and I've studied a message and I felt nothing over it. But the moment I started speaking it, God started giving me revelation in my own mind of things that must be done in my own life. So I don't stand up here arrogantly or judgmental or prideful. I do it in a manner of gentleness and humbleness because I fall into the same traps as what you fall into. To the same temptations, to the same lies that the enemy brings our way. So if we are supposed to do it gently and humbly, then that's what we need to do. So many times we can become quick-tempered. And it's so easy for us to what, fly off the handle. Has anybody ever done that? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. I'll raise it for you. Right? You've flown off the handle. You've been that teapot that that water is boiling. And when that, man, that thing goes, it just steam pops up and it's got that loud, annoying whistle. That's what you sound like. You know? And so the person that you're confronting, guess what that does? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So Daniel's saying, King, man, look, I love you. I wish this didn't apply to you. I wish it were for your enemies. But guess what? This is for you. Here's what it means. Accept my advice. Stop sinning. Let's do what's right. And maybe God will continue to bless you. That's what he's saying. What he does is he confronts and he continues Nebuchadnezzar to rebel against God. Seven years goes by. Seven horrible years. Years, just as the dream had said. Some of you, you're going to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to get it right. You're going to not be overly confrontational. Some of you are going to decide this morning that you're no longer going to become arrogant in how you're communicating to people. 
you're going to decide that I'm going to do this in a manner that, you know, Pastor Kevin is showing in gentleness and humbleness. I'm going to allow meekness to be a part of my character. But then there's also going to be some of you this morning who are going to choose to continue to go about your business as you have been doing. But yet you're going to continue to find yourself on a repeat cycle where nothing is really gaining any traction and you're doing no one good but only harm. I don't want to stand up here and do harm. I want to stand up here and be able to communicate the goodness of God. I want to stand up here and be able to give you a word and a message that is lined through the scriptures. That we serve a God who is about humbleness and gentleness. And he's a God who confronts us with comfort and with love. The word of God is a message of confrontation to every single one of us. But it's done so in a manner that love is poured out through it. If I were to go to my wife and, and, and constantly nag at her, which she might say I do anyway, who knows, right? But if I were to constantly nag at her, eventually that's going to get old and she's going to go, oh, wait a minute, something's got to change. Maybe God's trying to get some of you your attention this morning and saying, you have the right intention. You have the right message. It's your approach that's not working out. You see, Daniel could have in that moment completely said, you know what, King, I'm like the rest of these guys. I have no idea what that dream means. He could have sat back and said, I have no idea what that dream means. I can't help you out. Chances are, knowing the king's reputation, most of us in this room, guess what we would have done? We would have sided with them. We'd have been like, I'll pray about it later and get forgiveness later, right? That's how we did things. But Daniel chose to do something different. He stood up. He stood up for what was right. That's a challenge for us in our families. That's a challenge for us at home. That's a challenge for us within our, our workplace. That's a challenge for us when we're just out with our friendships and our circle of friends. Standing up to do what is right. Not giving in to the temptation. Not giving in to the pressure of everything around us. But rather standing up to do what is right. You know, if, if I go to my friendships and, and to, to my friends, if I go to Bradley, you know, and I told you I'm hard on Bradley sometimes. I admit that. Sometimes I sit back and I'm like, got to do it in a loving manner because I love him. And he gives it right back to me, though. I'll tell you that much. All right. Especially if I'm off just a little bit on the theology, he'll let me know. Okay. But we do so in a loving manner to where we can take each other's confrontation or criticism and to help it to make us better. You know, my wife and I, we can confront each other, even though I said she probably thinks maybe sometimes I'm nagging at her. But we can do so in a loving manner to what? Make the relationship better. You know, a lot of times couples will come to me and, and, and things aren't going well. And, and they're just, and here's what I do sometimes. I'll just, I'll sit there. And I'll sit back. And I just let them. I'll just let them, let, them, let them go at it. Especially, see, sometimes I go with, with people that don't talk at all and I have to pull it out, you know. But there's other times where they'll just, man, they're both type A personalities and they're about to just wring each other's neck off, you know what I mean. And they'll go at it and then I'll look at them and I'll be like, you know, what the, you know what the biggest thing I see is a problem here? It's the way you're communicating. Communication is key. Communication means so much. I am thankful that God doesn't look at me and bark orders at me every day. What does he do? 
He gives me some direction. And then he allows me to choose. I've said this time and time again that the greatest gift that God has ever gave us was the son Jesus Christ. But the second thing was free will. God never makes us do anything that we don't want to do. But yet he directs us in the path that he wants us to go. It's up to us on how we're going to deal with it. So many times God directs you in a path to help someone else's life out. Daniel in this moment, he, he confronted properly. He did it exactly how God wanted to. But watch, this is key here. Nebuchadnezzar still chose to go his own way. Does that mean that Daniel missed the mark? No. Daniel did exactly what he was supposed to do. What does that mean? That means this. Look, listen, listen. Sometimes you're going to confront and you're going to challenge people the right way. But watch this. They're still going to make their own choice and go about their own way. And if they don't do it according to your advice that God has given you, it doesn't mean you come back at them harshly. You let God deal with that. Daniel still supported his king. Even during that time, he still supported his king through it all. Through, and we're going to get into this as we go into this, in, in, into this uh, study even further. Even when he's being persecuted, what does he do? He still supported the king. I want you to stand with me this morning. Verse 34 is very key. It says this. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. And my sanity was what? Restored. I truly believe if he would have just listened in the beginning, maybe he would not have gone, had to have gone through this hardship. We, saw, we see that through the scripture where Daniel was saying, hey, let's do this instead, king. Let's turn back to God. Let's... God, forgive me, you know. I think maybe as I was reading those scriptures, and that, that one little portion stuck out. It said, stop. Stop sinning and let's do what's right. I stand here as your pastor and I gently and humbly communicate that message to you. Stop sinning and let's do what's right. You know, there's all kinds of interpretations of different dreams throughout the scriptures, visions that have been given to different people. I don't have a dream for every one of your lives or a vision, or you may not have it for your own life. And I certainly don't have an interpretation. But I have scripture that says clearly this, stop sinning and let's do what's right. Let's do what's right. What are those things that you're finding yourself to constantly being tripped up over. What are those things that are causing you separation between you and God? Scripture says completely, plainly, stop. Just stop. I say this all the time, and Paul is the greatest example. He says, man, when the temptation is placed upon him, what does he do? He flees. He runs as quickly and as far away as he possibly can. That's our challenge this morning. Are you willing to run? Are you willing to flee from that sin? And then the second challenge that God gives us is this. How are you confronting? How is your attitude when you confront? 
I'm going to be honest, I have been checked hard on this one in my own personal life. I think we all have in one time or another. Someone does you wrong, what do you want to do? Boom, you want to give it to them. And you know what's true? Boom, you want to give it to them even harder. And you expect God to what? Be on your side. If you recall this quote, if we would start looking at people the way God looks at us, things would be different. Next time you're being challenged to confront someone, think about that. I need to look at that person the way that God looks at me. If I'm the apple of God's eye, guess what? So are they. If I'm a child of God, guess what? So are they. See, God doesn't play this, I'm on his side and not her side. God says, I'm on everybody's side. And I love every single one of you. And I'm glad that God speaks into my life through people. And I'm glad that God speaks into my life through his work. And I'm glad that, you know what? I've got people that speak into my life who are confrontational with me. But they do it in a loving and a corrected manner. They show humbleness and gentleness. So how about this? How about we take on a new leave this morning? How about we take on a new leave? Where we say, I'm going to walk out of these doors today and here's how it's going to be. I'm going to be gentle and I'm going to be humble moving forward. Because what is it? You can catch more bees with what? Honey than something else. Vinegar. Thank you. Totally ruined that moment. We needed to do this. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We are the bride of Christ. His blood flows through me. He is captivated in my heart. I'm a direct representation of who Jesus is. It is my responsibility to be humble and gentle with his sons and daughters, his creation. So let's pray this prayer. Father, we thank you today for your message. And we thank you for your word. Lord, this isn't a message that where we need an outward expression of saying, Lord, we're falling at this. Because every one of us, God, in this room are failing and falling at this message. God, we need to be confrontational in a manner that is humble and gentle. Lord, we need, first of all, to take the first challenge that you gave us and to just stop sinning and to do the right thing. Help us. Help us this morning to take on that responsibility, God, and to stop sinning and to do the right thing. But Father, help us also to be as Daniel did. When we know what is right and we know what your word says and we know and we sense the, the leaning of your Holy Spirit, that we won't act like this world and just kind of push it aside and say, well, those thoughts are just crazy. Or you know what, I don't want to put myself in a situation. And so we cast it aside. Or you know, we take on the, 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 the thought process of I'm not going to be judgmental. Well, Lord, if we're doing it in a, in, in a humble and a gentle way, then we're not being judgmental. But Lord, we're being productive. We're being productive for you. We're being productive for the people that, Lord, you allow us to speak life into. God, we're a direct representation of you. Help us, God as we leave this place today. Help us as to move forward from this message. God, that we would do so in a humble, in a gentle manner. 
Because, Lord, we know we're not going to win people. We're not going to win people over to you. We're not going to win people over when they feel threatened. God, we're going to do so when we show love and we show compassion. And, God, that when we show understanding and, more importantly, when we show forgiveness. So, God, help us all in this room that when we see people, when we look at individuals, that we do so as you look at us. That, Lord, they are the apple of your eye. That, Father, they have your favor upon their life. And that, Father, they are a son and a daughter of the Most High King. So help us, Lord, to take the example that Daniel gave and apply it to our lives. Help us, Lord, to take Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, and be humble and gentle. And we love you. So, Father, as we leave this place this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen and amen. We love you guys. Have a great day.